Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Don't forget, you can follow her on Facebook at The Greyhound Girl. Hi everyone, on this episode of the podcast I catch up with young New South Wales race caller Dan Misson, whose voice you'll recognise from Gunnedah, Musselbrook, The Gardens and various other greyhound tracks across New South Wales. We have a chat about why and how he got started as a greyhound racing commentator, what it's like to call greyhounds and some helpful advice for anyone who may be looking to become a commentator themselves. I hope you enjoy this episode. Tell me about your first ever greyhound meeting that you called. Where was it? Um, when was it? And yeah, how did you um, how did you feel going into it? Yeah, I was I was very nervous actually. I was only tiny. I was probably about eight years old when I called my first greyhound meeting, and it was at uh, good old Tamworth track nice. on the grass. Yep. And uh, I was the the race caller there at the time was um, Nick Walsh, who was not much older than me actually, but he was he was calling. He was only a teenager calling back then, and he still does some non tab stuff around the region. And uh, I was dead keen. I wanted to call my first race, and Nick said, "Right, your turn. Here's the mic. Here's the race book." There was eight dogs in it, and I was thinking, "Oh, I don't know about eight dogs." If it was a three or four dog, maybe. But I got through the whole field. Um, it was a bitch called Chloe Tanger that won, and I remember she um, set the track record that day. So I can't. I'd, I'd have to look up when that was, and that's how I could probably remember it. But yeah, yeah wow. I was I was only young, and that that was my first uh, memory of my first dog race. Yep, yep. What um, what's it like? Obviously, you know, it was just sort of thrust upon you that race. But yeah, what sort of did you do any prep? Sort of, you know, leading up to thinking, okay, I might be calling dogs soon. Um, this is my strategy going to be going into it you know because we all know it's you know the quickest sport obviously compared to the other two codes but yeah how do you sort of go about remembering the names and and prepping for races yeah well as soon as the fields come out um you, you're studying the box draw um learning what or what box they're coming out of um about two or three days prior, I make up little sheets, race by race. It's very similar to the, the fields. You know, it has all your one to ten and, and the name of the dogs, and I type all them up manually. So it, it's a good um, manual way of remembering and focusing what um, box you're in. Uh, I, I, I can get to the racetrack and I see a trainer and they go, and I go, oh, you've got five dogs in today. And they go, yeah. And I go, oh, you've got box one, you've got box three, you've got box eight. And they go, oh, how do you know all that? And oh, it's all in the memory. So you, you learn that way. Um, in terms of um, learning the dogs, you know, just when they're in the stirrup, you just sort of r- rattle them through your head and go, yep, righto, that's what they're going to wear. But you can cheat a little bit um, with the dogs. You can do what you call book calling, um, where you just you just basically read off the book. So you just look down and go, yep, one's leading twos. And what, yeah. So that's a good way where horses and trots, you've, you've got to remember that you've got to remember every horse. But with the dogs, you can cheat a little bit. But you always know what dog is coming out of what box. But then it confuses you because the next week or whatever, you see that same dog, it's in a different box, so you've got to be real careful that you don't go, say, if uh, a dog had one last week and it's got eight this week, you go to the one and go, whoop, 
no, that's not it, you know, so you've got to be real careful. Yeah, right. How, um, obviously, you know, there is a, a vast difference between horses and dogs. You know, dogs move a, a lot quicker than horses. But, yeah, what are the sort of, you know, like you're just saying about having to study the horses' names and that different. But, yeah, other than the speed, is there anything else that you find um, vastly different between the two codes? Yeah, speed, that, that's a big one. Um, it, it all comes down to um, your, your structure of your, of your race as well. With dogs, uh, I like to to follow the favourite out of the box to see how they see how they jump and follow them throughout the field. And as you know, a dog race is all over in you know 30, 35 yeah. seconds. Yep. Trot race, you've got two minutes, so you take your time, you you let them settle, you call their positions, and with the gallops, it's all a rush because you've got big fourteen horse fields <laughs> over a thousand metres, and you just want to get through them. You know, so it's all it's all different because. A horse race, you saw the, the last 30 seconds are coming up the straight, so that's your main priority where the 30 seconds of a dog is the whole race. So, yep. yeah, it all comes down to the pace and time. Has there been any sort of race where, you know, something's happened where there's been a scrimmage or something and, you know, you've just had to basically throw your plan out the window and just, you know, oh, make yeah. it up on the spot? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I remember one of the big races at Gunnedah was uh, the Chief Havoc cup and the uh one of the heats we had jungle juice in oh, the race that's right yep and yep. we had some big we had some big dogs in the race on sipping mm. maserati and and fantastic raven all in all in this heat of this uh chief havoc cup and come out of the boxes and unfortunately yeah jungle juice collide in the first corner and, and my plans went out the window you know i, <laughs> I hate seeing dog falls in a in a race but Definitely in a big race, it really, yeah, it really shakes you up because you don't know what to do, you know, and yeah, yeah, so that happens a lot. Yep. What, um, how are your nerves sort of go? I mean, a normal race meeting, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, your nerves would be too bad, but sort of when they're, like you were just saying, when there's obviously stacked fields with quality dogs and that sort of thing, do your nerves get a little bit, um, a little bit more intense, you know, just knowing that obviously there's more eyes on, on these sorts of races? Yeah, you, you're right. They do. You've got to stay calm. If anything, I get too excited, I think. Um, and getting too excited makes you more nervous. Yeah. So, yeah, it happens. Um, a, big, a big day for me was uh, at Musselbrook a couple of weeks ago. It was a big grand opening day. Yep. Uh, the, the people on site, it, that sort of made me a little bit nervous because there were so many people watching and tuning in and everyone was focused on this first dog race you know so that that made me a little bit nervous but uh yeah it, it happens how did you find Musselbrook? how did you find the the track and everything like that and calling the races up there because I, I know you did it last week as well yeah brilliant no i think the track looks great it's like a bowling green um <laughs> the, the grass looks beautiful the facilities are great um yeah no problems whatsoever i think it's a it's a brilliant facility and look forward to racing there more often is there a dream race that you'd love to be able to call one day? Um, I get this question all the time. I've never really thought about it. Um, like I always love to work my way up and I don't know, maybe one day there could be a golden Easter egg, could be a million dollar chase uh, if if I get that far. But if yep. not, I'm, I'm happy calling the, the Gunnedah Cup, you know, so yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, no, yeah. it's good. Yeah, definitely. Now, just before you were saying that, you know, you obviously um, work for radio and that as well, and you've interviewed some pretty, um, pretty big uh, celebrities. Can you touch on a few that um, that you've had the chance to be able to uh, to interview over your time? 
Yeah, absolutely. So how the radio sort of came about was um, when I was, I, I left school when I was 16 because I got an offer, offered a uh, apprenticeship to do a chef course. And I thought, oh, this is a good way out of high school. You know, I had enough of this. I want to, might as well take up a tray because my mum said, if you're not going to be a race caller, you know, you've got to have a, um, you know, trade under your belt because, you know, you're probably not going to be a race caller. Let's face it, blah, 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 blah. You know, what's the chances? <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, thanks, mum. You know, so I thought, well, I'll leave school. I'm 16. I'll do this apprenticeship as a chef. So did that. And I was fully qualified the day before I turned 18. So I had the world at my feet when I was 18, and the same day I got offered a position at the local radio station here in Tamworth. I thought, oh, you beauty, you know, because I was sort of doing stuff up there on the weekend and doing an odd program and a show, and they offered me a full-time sort of nightly show, and I thought, oh, this is great, you know. So I did that for, I don't know, two or three years at the radio station, and in fact, I still go there sort of one day a week on those sort of day off I'm not calling and just do a bit of production stuff and sort of just help them out where I can yep. um, but throughout that time I was on the radio station I got to interview some great people like uh, Don McLean and uh, Anne Murray Donna Fargo and uh, the late Gordon Lightfoot and just so many great artists of the 70s and 80s and uh, yeah I was very lucky that I got to interview all them and and plus uh, do my race calling stuff on the weekends. So oh, wow. that, that, that all come about. So I was interviewing people like Don McLean throughout the week and then and oh. calling non-tap Greyhound races and then cooking the restaurant and doing all this when I'm 18 years old. Wow, what a contrast, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, um, is there a particular, you know, I guess, well, I don't know, you'd probably be allowed to have, you know, favourites or dogs you like to follow. But yeah, is there one or two key dogs going around at the moment that you um that you like to follow? Oh, in terms of going around at the moment, uh, there's there's a quite a few I like to follow. Like just look at the the seventeen uh, the seven fifteen last week at the gardens. Like how many great dogs are in that? And I've been lucky enough to call most of them as well. Yeah. But in terms of favourite dogs going back, I think Fernando Bale was a standout. Um, yeah. You know, Fen- Fernando Bale great dog and then went on to you know do the sire and all that sort of stuff so i think fernando bale was a was a highlight for me to watch over the years yep have you uh have you got any dogs yourself or is that an ambition to to be an owner one day oh no i don't know mum had lots of greyhounds when i was growing up and i always thought you know, even more recently, I thought, oh, yeah, I might get a dog and own a dog. But I thought, no, I don't. I'd love to possibly one day, but for the moment, just focusing on the calling. Might have a bit of an interest later on. Yep. Now, you don't really hear, like, or personally, I don't hear of a, a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, you know, I'd love to be a race caller one day. But, you know, can you just obviously, you know, maybe touch on a few words of advice? You know, I'm sure there is little youngsters out there who look at you guys and girls and think, oh, wow, you know, I'd love to do that one day. And, yeah can you just share a bit of experience you know just on you know what they should be doing even at a young age to maybe yeah. prepare for that as a career oh absolutely yeah it's it's all about practice 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 um setting up in the the back of the grandstand at the dogs the trots gallops whatever you want to learn and just practice get yourself a little cheap pair of binoculars and just practice 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 and that's that's how i started out uh, yeah. i used to go to the the Tamworth dogs. Actually, I didn't get much practice of the dogs. I was sort of thrown in the deep end and, and just started. But with the trots, I certainly practiced. I went up in the spare broadcast box at the Tamworth trots and just practiced every single meeting. You know, I'd even have um, 
what we call work experience days where I'd leave school early on trot days, on race days, and go down and practice in the spare broadcast box as part of work <laughs> nice. experience days. And I, I've got to say, it certainly paid off because if I didn't do that, you know, I wouldn't be where I was today with the experience, I guess. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. What's, um, do you, are you a race book holder or, like you said, your, your prep sheets holder while the race is going on? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, in the dogs, I do. But with the, with the trots and the gallops, you can pretty much put the race book in your back pocket. Um, because really? you shouldn't need it because, yeah, yeah okay. you, you should know every horse, every dog. Um, but with, with the dogs, you just have it in front of you and you just sort of glance down because you le- you're learning so many dogs. You think, you know, eight dogs in every race, 12 races a day, and you could be calling three or four meetings a week. You know, that's so many dogs and plus they're different colours each week. You sort of need the sheets in front of you just in case because if you learn every dog, you You'd go, you'd go silly. Yep, yep. How? Oh, I know this is a, probably a silly question, but I just find watching horse races so confusing because they all look the same. You know, obviously the saddle cloths are only differentiated yeah. by the number rather than ours with the colours. So, you know, like you just said, do you have to just memorise? It? Is it more the silks? Is that how you do it? Yeah, it's all it's all the silks. Yep. Um, and you're lucky if you call them all the time; they always wear the same colours all the the same silks so you're lucky because you know that this horse is always going to wear the same uh in the trots now they actually have coloured saddlecloths which is the same colours as the dogs so it's really good because if you actually forget a horse's name you can see it where the the pink saddlecloth and you go oh that's number eight you know so you can glance down at your book if you if you get lost so you can really cheat these days with yep. the trots it's great but horses you, you stuff because you can't see the number on the saddlecloth yeah you know, let alone it's got hasn't got different colors either so yeah you've sort of you you've got to remember them yeah no offense i, I think i've probably watched two trot races in my whole life and that's only because kev gordon told me to watch lock and var art so. <laughs> And I have no idea what's going on or who's winning, but yeah, I'll have to check out their um their cloths. That uh, that yeah, yeah, just have a look next time. You'll notice the different colours. Yep, yep. And um, at the moment, like you obviously said before, that you call Gunnedah and and Musselbrook. Um, you know, just for anyone out there who who may want to follow you, what other tracks do you dabble at um in calling? Yeah, so yeah, Gunnedah is my home track. Um, yep. I'm only forty five minutes away from Gunnedah, so I go there every Thursday. Sometimes we race on Mondays as well, so that's twice a week. Um, Musselbrooks have just started, so that's one of my tracks. Um, it's sort of Saturday mornings at the moment. I also do some trots. I do Tamworth trots and then once a year sort of Narrabri trots. And then I'm just a filler in for the for the gallops. So I do lots of barrier trials and that sort of oh, stuff yeah. that you don't really hear much of. But And then uh, I often do the, the gardens as well. Yep. Um, on a Friday, Saturday night, and then I'm just a filler in I love that word, filler in <laughs> at, at Maitland and Gosford when needed sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. How do you, um, you know, obviously you guys have to provide tips for each race at, at the meetings you do, and, yeah, are you sort of like a frivolous studier and, you know, try and obviously give punters a, a bit of a, a hand <laughs> with your tips? <laughs> yeah, I, I let them down a lot, I think. I, I'm a bit hopeless Don't because I put so much work into them, and then when they don't win, you go, oh, you know, I think the most uh, – I was on a roll one day at the Gardens. I think I got 10 out of 12, and I thought that was a good effort. Nice. Um, haven't reached that since. But, uh, you know, sometimes you have a good day, sometimes yeah. you have bad days. But, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I'm more of a race caller than a than a tips, tipster or an expert, but that's part of the trade. You know, you've got to furnish a set of tips on the on race day, and I like doing it. You know, it keeps you 
keeps your finger in with all the, the form and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Anything in particular, you know, you sort of look for when you're doing your tips do you, or is it just a matter of looking at their recent form and you obviously knowing, you know, if it's if you're calling it a track that you call out regularly, you know what dogs suit what track. Yeah, yeah that's it. I can I can basically do Gunnadar's tips with my eyes shut because I'm so used to the dogs, you know, twice a week. Um, yeah, I, I look at sort of even things like personal bests, if they've been at the track and distance before, you know, what box they're out of, uh, watch a couple of old replays and see how they they jump and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of things that sort of merge in that you're sort of looking for for your selections. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Greyhound Girl podcast and for your ongoing support of not only this podcast but of Greyhound racing in general. Remember, you can follow Dimity at the Greyhound Girl on Facebook. Hi everyone. On this episode of the podcast, I catch up with much loved industry stalwart Jared Daffy, who you can see and hear on Sky Racing and Sky Racing Radio on a regular basis. We had a great chat about his extensive experience in the industry, how you can find your next winner when having a punt, some of his favourite memories of Greyhound Racing, and how he thinks the industry is progressing into the future. I hope you enjoy this episode.